Hello, and welcome to the Told You So podcast. I'm Brink. And I'm Carla. And uh, once again, we're here on video uh, in our so close yet so far neighboring homes. <laughs> and, uh, Indeed, uh, keeping our physical distance while socializing online like good, uh, good uh, techie people in the throes of some kind of government-induced economic meltdown. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, as you probably noticed, I have a kind of horrible goatee that's happening because I decided to just shave these parts of my face and not this part. Uh, I like it. I have, uh, I have my, what did you call me last week? I look like a, a, a hipster uh, progressive lesbian. <laughs> oh, no, that's not what I said. I said, I said like, a, like an NPR journalist, like an NPR interviewer. There we go. Yes, I mean, I, I I found everything you said quite flattering. Uh, but you know, Brink and I were just talking about the fact that once you move from podcasting to vlogging, it's like, oh my God, do I actually have to put a bra on and slap some lipstick on? But here we are, ladies and gentlemen, and we're so happy you're joining us again I also for another edition. Told you so. Yeah, so Carla looks like nicely framed in her video, and uh, I noticed that other people sit back from their computer, and for whatever reason, I'm always like, hey, so let's talk about stuff. <laughs> anyway, it's a learning curve, uh, but let's talk about stuff. Um, today, All right. We're going to be so uh, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is I got this crazy mailer from the Trump friends campaign. Uh, that, as you can see back home over there, it's this huge uh, survey, right. and it is, uh, you know, the envelope is bigger than my head, so someone spent a lot of money on this, and, you know, I will start with, it has this huge 2020 platform survey and membership acceptance. Now, the interesting part is this mailer came for Louie. Mm. who is not a card-carrying Republican. Uh, he's my husband. And I was kind of surprised because this thing must have cost a pretty penny. And I'm kind of curious, I think, from a, um, you know, a, a marketing, both Frank and I are very interested in sort of marketing, messaging, propaganda, manipulation, influence, you know, like all the, the you know, how do you sell a message stuff. But then also we're both interested in politics. And so... I like it when I get these things in the mail because it can be a good uh, teaching moment really to look at how things are framed, uh, how money is being spent in this political race. So I found it interesting and, and mildly curious actually that this came not for me and you said you didn't get one either, Brink, right? So it's, it's a mailer that someone spends a lot of money on. You get this, ladies and gentlemen, beautiful wallet-sized credit card, um, you know, so that you can literally be a card-carrying Trump-Pence Make America Great Again committee member. Uh, the number on the card is, uh, in, it might be 8 million? Yeah, 80 million? Signed by Donald. And so I wanted to read you some of these questions. And then, of course, I mean, the main thrust of this is really it's a fundraiser. Is that you know, like uh, Trump resorts or his properties? I, 
<laughs> no, this is this is all this is all politics. Uh, this is clearly a so it's paid by a uh, by a fundraising committee. So it's paid for by the Trump Make America Great Again Committee, a joint fundraising committee authorized by and composed of Donald J. Trump for President Inc. and the RNC. Okay. Um, and the, the document would go back to the Trump Make America Great Again Committee, and that is to an address in Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, I will not be putting this card in my wallet, but you know, anyone who, who, who is looking, I mean, if I was like 11 and my dad gave this to me to like kind of, you know, put in my fake wallet, <laughs> I might have been excited. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I'm not sure what value this brings. It reminds me of this um, band that I like called the, uh, the Aquabats and they had a whole thing called like the Aqua Cadets where you could send in for an official ID card with your, like your aqua cadet name and that's kind of right? <laughs> very appealing when i was uh, 14. <laughs> oh my god exactly what i mean right like when you're young and you get one of these but i, I you know i generally think that one should um grow out of it and i mean this has got to cost some money this is customized this has louis name printed in 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 like embossed letters it's what's like the, all raised the, up there and what's the, what's the um, million what does that even mean anyway i, I don't i i don't know but but brink you will be uh thrilled to know that based on the small uh small print on the back here this card is not transferable oh. <laughs> so i can't even you know it's 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 louis and louis alone Damn it. Um, all right, but on a more serious note, I did think that um, that this these questions, uh, which you actually have to fill in by filling in the entire box, you may not make crosses or checks or anything. So it, it's definitely going into some kind of automated system, I would assume. Uh, but I think because we are interested in the language of uh, of political persuasion, so to speak. I did get a kick out of some of these questions and I thought that'd be fun to maybe like read to you and we can talk about some of them and, and you know, you can, you can uh, feel free to, you know, sort of jump in uh, on, on the learning experience of what the wording is. But, you know, so question number four. So question number one, two and three is just kind of setting the tone, right? So the first one, of course, is, Will you volunteer? Um, question number two, do you consider the historic economic growth, record low unemployment, and rising wages to be some of President Trump's most important and noteworthy accomplishments? My question didn't age particularly well. So, <laughs> yeah, that went out maybe two weeks before we uh, trashed the entire economy. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to answer that question. No, but that's, uh, I mean, that's like, so for example, what's so interesting about this, obviously they're trying to get you to give, to give money. So all this is to like prime you into a frenzy of yes, yes, Trump is awesome. Yes. I have to open my wallet right now. You know, um, that's kind of the, the thrust of it. So I would imagine, uh, my guess is that the questions will kind of like keep going and crescendo in a 
you know, given how amazing, awesome, and singularly, uniquely incredible Donald Trump is, don't you think that giving him money to run for president again would be a fantastic idea? And maybe there will be a detour into some, uh, you know, do you, like, do you think that the Democrats are the worst people that have ever walked the earth? <laughs> do you it's agree? funny you should mention that, Brick. Because <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of framing that way. In fact, question number four uh, leads us directly to do you agree with the Democrats that it's time for socialism in our country with massive centralized government sky-high taxes, and limits on our constitutional freedoms. Yes, no, or no opinion. Who has no opinion about that? <laughs> Although, again, I would say that that's a question that's complicated by the events of the past couple of weeks when we've gotten massive government spending and, uh, you know, infringement on constitutional <laughs> rights. And can, can we talk about that just for two hot seconds? So $2 trillion is a lot of money, right? The breakdown I've seen on that is for every dollar, so that $1,200 check that is supposed to be coming to everyone who pays uh, federal income taxes, which even that now they're dialing back. So the original thing was you had to be in the IRS system in order to get your check right. and then all these people were like what i don't pay taxes but i want my free money so now they had to go and change that part too so that like oh don't worry you don't pay taxes it's okay we're just gonna give you free money anyway but then this morning i read so that's a two trillion dollar stimulus to put it in context it's four times more than the money they spent in 2008 Right. Now, in all of that stuff, like the shovel-ready jobs and the solar refitting of America with Solyndra that was a huge scam and <laughs> all that so stuff. So bad. And I just regret that we didn't get our solar panels, you know, when, when they were giving everything away for free. Free. By the way, folks, haha, now finally you can see my air quotes. I don't just have to tell you I'm doing them, I can do them. Although I do look like that crazy lobster lady. <laughs> what? Um, so yeah, so $2 trillion, but then in today's paper, they're talking about doing another $2 yeah. trillion. Well, and boy. let's just also put this in context. Like, I don't really think there's a significant difference anymore between the Republican and the Democrat Party in terms of the outcomes, right? Like, the Republicans are not not growing the government. Where, right. you know, it's, it's, it's happening regardless of which party's there. And, and in some ways, the division now is between, uh, is between big government and small government people, individuals. I mean, the party is not. So anyway, that's a long way of saying, today I read on top of the 2.2, 2.3 trillion they just did under a Republican Senate and under a Republican Democrat, where uh, I mean, a Republican uh, president, where we um, are giving $1 to taxpayers and $8. For every $1 we're getting, $8 are going to cronies, to Boeing, to movie theaters, to the Smithsonian, so that they can give their employees raises uh, during this time. And so, you know, I, I, people wake up. People have to wake up and be like, it's not the parties, man. We the, we, the people, are being screwed. Yeah, and this is where I, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I think that there's, I, I think I probably differ from a lot of other uh, 
liberty uh, primary people. Like that's my primary value. That's what I care about the most, most of the time. Um, I do think that there was a case because of the fact that government was making all of these businesses shut down. It was like an uncompensated taking if they said you can't do business and also you're just screwed. Um, so I think that there's a case for those like loan programs and stuff where it was basically a way to allow businesses who were injured by government action to maintain operations, you know, throughout this period because it's the government's fault that they're shut down. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, oh, we put out the Zoom and nobody wanted to buy our stuff anymore or, or like, oh, we started making crappy foods so and nobody comes to our restaurant. It's just the government says you have to shut down. Um, Did you hear my favorite so, restaurant in Manchester is shutting down? Mappa announced they are shutting down permanently. It's so, so you know what I'm going to be the maddest about is when this is all said and done, New Hampshire is only going to have Greek pizza places left over. And I say that is unacceptable. It's all of these startups and small restaurants are being absolutely screwed and they're not they're not getting any like they're not being relieved like that's the like that's the thing that i think there's a case for and they're not getting any you know it's not happening uh well, let's just start with something as basic as if they were truly trying to give us relief how about you do not actually raise our property taxes this week, which is literally what happened in Manchester, New Hampshire. They're like, oh yeah, we secretly negotiated a teacher's contract on Wednesday that was done in an emergency meeting with no public knowledge or uh, public commentary. Yeah. And it's like, so we just gave the teachers a raise. And I understand, I'm sure this is super stressful for every first responder, for every state employee, for whatever. You know what? Same goes for us. And we're not sitting around being called essential and getting our full pay and being guaranteed pensions and jobs and raises and whatever. So the first thing they could do before they cut us a check is they could say, we are putting a moratorium on all property taxes until this shit shakes out. I mean, like, would that be too much to ask? So, uh, when I saw a thing like, uh, like Tammy shared a, a while ago, I mean, it's just, uh, what's unfortunate is that it makes it very clear that like, the government as an employer is going to have incredible largesse in a way that a private company couldn't because they'd go out of business. You know, like the Manchester library is closed, but everyone's getting paid while it's closed. And sorry, but like if you're a small Chinese restaurant and your family works there, uh, like you, or what, you know what I mean? Like you, you can't pay the employees while you're not making revenue. It's just right. Like, I mean, like Mappa, that is going to go out of business. You know, it's that's such a bummer, man. I, I I walked down Elm Street two days ago just to, you know, I went for a big walk around the river, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, just to see what it was like. <coughs> oh, I got the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> oh, I got the coronas. Um, anyway, I'll be like, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, this is why we're doing the remote thing. Um. <laughs> in case one of us needs to be quarantined but uh yeah Elm Street was like it was a total ghost town um and i did notice a lot of places had you know were closed or reduced hours or takeout only but i saw there was Motba didn't have their open sign up they didn't have anything up and uh and i thought boy i really hope they're not going to go out of business so. Yeah, no, I, I read that on Manchester Inklink, and I'm sure that's going to happen, you know, with, with a lot of businesses and not just restaurants and service industry, yeah. but, you know, uh, small business people, 
And I, I, you know, I have to say, I I will stick to this. Look, I have been very responsible. I, you know, I'm wearing a mask if I go out. I'm taking reasonable precautions. But for the government to have done what they did here, it's, I, I think it's wrong. I don't think that the so what we believe right is that um, the best ideas should bubble to the top as we create if there's more information right then uh, decision making should be quite nimble because we're in this fluid situation and as more information becomes available we get to make better and better decisions but the problem is is when we start to do things by these government decrees right then one you've actually created an incentive where they don't necessarily want to change their mind because every time you change your mind, you were wrong, right? right? So if you're doing things where you're saying, this is the right way to do things, this is an order, then it's like, well, then it makes it really hard for you to be like, ah, we got to change direction or, you know what? Yeah, we should have been wearing masks. Well, right, or, that's a perfect example. It makes it so that all of a sudden it's like, uh, it's like in 1984 when it's like, no, we never said don't wear masks. We've always said wear masks. Always wear masks. Like, what are you talking about? You know, um, where it's like, forget that thing that we said a week ago. Now it's a totally different thing. And that's the right thing. And you should definitely believe us 100% this time. Um, it's hard to take credibly. That's why, yeah, like probability recommendations are so much better than, you know, I, and that's the thing I think everybody's struggling with is people have a hard time thinking about um, probability and they have a hard time thinking about exponential growth. Those are like the two things that people are grappling, grappling with. And like the idea would be that you want everybody to understand the potential risk of these, you know, this disease so that they modify their behavior appropriately and lower that risk for themselves and everybody around them. Like that's the ideal state, right? You want, that's what you want, everybody to understand the potential risks and then make the appropriate decisions based on their needs and et cetera, you know, based on those risks. So like the public health people, I think that they're, their argument is everyone's a moron and they can't understand big thinky things like risk and probability. And so we need to just give them directives and they need to follow our directives. And, you know, and, and I think that that approach, it's just, it underestimates people. I think at the same time though, people are morons. I mean, I'm a moron sometimes. And so there's some truth to the public health advocate, you know, side of things. So it's but like- here's the thing, they never think they're the morons oh, and therein lies the rub, right? Yeah, well, so here's the thing, if we want to apply the rule that everyone's an idiot from time to time, then we also have to concede that that means from time to time, the government is an idiot. Totally. Now, when you look at incentives and incentives matter, the problem with directives and the problem with saying the government can suddenly tell you everything you as a individual, human being are allowed to do is it's problematic if they think oh we're not allowed to make mistakes or we're not allowed to you know so it's like oh everyone is an idiot except these people who right. have literally there is zero consequence to them individually if they get it wrong. So if you're the guy right like if I was the head of the who or whatever I'd be like yes let's take the most conservative safest route that will save the most lives because i'm just looking at that metric but he's not looking at all the other things that are in the mix right so if we end up with uh more people 
die because they've committed suicide because their businesses went out of business, um, you know, was it worth it? Was it the right decision? And I understand everyone's going to go, we don't know where we are. But part of we don't know where we are means we have to let people be free to decide for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It it is a really interesting sort of nexus of uh, libertarian questions like the 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 parts of the that require the hardest thought because like there's an externality issue but you it's like this whole problem where you are creating an externality but you don't know it if you're like an asymptomatic carrier of something you know like the the equivalent would be like you're spraying some chemical that makes people vomit but you don't know you're doing it you know what i mean yeah you see i don't even really i'm not sure i buy that theory because here's the thing I, the way I understand what you're saying right now is it's people who are at higher risk who are like, well, I want to be able to go outside and whatever. So everyone else should just like, you know, accommodate my needs. And I'm like, but that's the reverse of how it's supposed to work because here's the thing. Definitionally, a quarantine means that sick people stay at home. How did we somehow create this quarantine and that's the language they're using because they're trying to like put it under the the rules of, oh, we're not really like violating the constitution and oh no, we haven't become some crazy dictatorial authoritarian crazy ass tyrannical society, which is exactly what we have become. Then, you know, they're like, okay, uh everyone's under quarantine and i'm like by its very definition of what the word means that is not correct right but i mean so i guess this is the problem is that like how can you have a quarantine that's effective on something if you walk around for you know 14 to 21 days giving it to other people without knowing it you know what i mean like i think that's the but are you saying are you saying i mean if that's the argument we're making then why don't we have millions of lawsuits currently if you had a like if i went to your house for a party and you had the flu and i get it four days later so now i can sue you because i don't know why suddenly if suddenly we are like just changing the rules of how sickness has worked forever because someone read a project 201 thing from bill gates and they went oh you know what we're gonna totally overreact on some pandemic fucking war game because we are just crazy now and we have too many resources and people will fall for this and they will do what we say and i'm like it's not about giving people diseases knowingly there's absolutely i mean there were criminal laws against giving people uh aids knowingly i know in california that was a whole thing there were that was a criminal law if you gave somebody aids and you knew that you were doing it you could be prosecuted for a crime and I know with hepatitis and, and other diseases, that's been like a civil courts thing. So I think, you know, like, I'm, I'm not trying to say, I, I, I guess I, I'm confused because I think that one of the basic concepts of economics is externalities. If you're, if you're engaging in economic activity that uh, injures somebody else or destroys their property or makes their, you know, their property significantly less valuable, not because of what's next to it, but because, you know, there's, there's pollution that's going from your property onto their property and wrecking their land. Like you, any property rights scheme requires that that be addressed. You know what I mean? That the concept of externalities be addressed. Right. But now you're applying. Okay. So those are, those are private property rules. And I agree with you. Right. But the problem is where, where we are now, right. Is the state is saying, Hey, you know what, if you're in your own private property, you need to stay there and you're allowed to be there. 
But we, the government now, we the people, we the public, we the whatever, them, them are like, oh, you know what? No, we actually, the, we, the government, the people giving the orders, now control all public space. And this actually goes to sort of our point about the cameras on Manchester downtown, right? Where the government is now saying, actually, anything in public, which used to be, this is our shared space as us, as human beings who are giving up some of our rights for this protection from the government, um, they're now saying, no, you know what? Actually, any public space belongs to us, the government, the people who aren't taking pay cuts, the people who are getting pensions, the people who aren't going to lose their jobs, right? So we've created these two classes, and it is very clear to me, and I'm hoping that when, when, we, when this thing shakes out, I hope the average Granite Stater, because I don't really care about what the rest of the world's doing, I'm like, what are we up to here, and what are we gonna stand for in New Hampshire? I hope the average Granite Stater is just like, enough with this nonsense, I'm not gonna pay my property taxes prorated for every day that there was an order telling me what I'm allowed to do in public that is now no longer like actually public. It is owned by the government and they can tell you when you can and can't use my roads. I mean, I know, I, I know we were gonna not talk about this stuff and whatever, but I'm just, I'm like, no, this is not acceptable. And you know what, the, the government knows it. They know. I mean, if you read the, did you read the directive from the police department or from the AG? Uh, yeah, where it's like, don't fucking arrest, sorry, don't arrest people because uh, we'll get sued and we'll lose. Yes, I mean, that is the subtext. And I'm like, good, I'm glad they know it and they understand it. But I also don't trust the courts anymore because I'm like, I, I could see them having a vested interest in going, well, you know, remember like how they did under Kilo where they said, oh, we can take the, the, the houses, yeah. the takings, right? And, and then all the states were like, whoa, if the federal government thinks they can now take your house because this other business is gonna pay more on property taxes, that's a little crazy. And so the states drew a line and said, we're not gonna allow this sort of eminent domain taking, right? Yeah. So I do hope as this shakes out that in the state and here in New Hampshire, you know, at least we go, I mean, I think it was good that the AG's directives sort of did follow that because the subtext was don't arrest people. And, and I hope the, the bigger subtext is don't arrest free staters because we will definitely sue you. Well, that's, and I will uh, prevail. There, I, I, I saw online, and I never know what, what to believe with anecdotes that I see online, but I saw somebody say that they got pulled over and that it was like, if you want to go hang out at the Quill or whatever, like go hang out there with your libertarian buddies. But uh, yeah, which is kind of like, that's a little creepy. Um, <laughs> that they identified someone and they, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I would say almost entirely. My only, my only question is like, and again, I'm not, my, my thoughts on this, it's not about what the government's currently doing. It's like about what is like right and true to do in a situation like this. And I think that it is worth like puzzling out all of the details of how and why uh, someone could be harmed by someone else's behavior. Because if the basic idea is that you can't do some, you can do whatever you want if you don't harm other people, um, then it's worth exploring what harm means and giving them a disease is undoubtedly harming them especially if you know that you're doing it if you don't know i think it's hard to hold somebody as cul like culpable 
Um, and I, I'm not talking about lockdowns or anything. I'm just talking about like in general as a concept. Do you, does this make any sense to you? It, I mean, it does. I think that, you know, we're, we're probably going to delve down a very like questionable slippery slope. I mean, I think that there are two different things here, right? There's, there's civil liability, which was what you were talking about. If you intentionally, you know, go and give someone AIDS, then, um, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an assault. That's, that's assault, right? But if you, you know, unknowingly spread a disease, I really don't see how, I mean, if we're going to go there in terms of that being a new sort of class of criminality, then but, but welcome yeah, to lockdown for life, right? Because then, yeah, I mean, but, the only way to keep the entire world safe is like, just to be like, okay, everyone gets, we're all going to be bubble boy. And everyone gets, yeah, you know, like, to right. live in their iron lung, and that's it. They come up with some new uh, technological process or something, and you think it's cool, and it's awesome, and you don't know it, but it's causing this substance to go all over your neighbors, and you didn't know that it was a problem when you were doing it. But then when they, you know, maybe the substance makes things more flammable and their house catches on fire or something. Then after that happened, do you, I mean, like, even if you didn't know that you were creating a problem after you created the problem, if it was like adjudicated in some way that, you know, for compensation, like, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to figure out. I mean, this is why we have a body of torts, right? Like a good example would be say Gordon's with their PFOAs, right? Right. Um, or, you know, some people might say like, I don't know, the government putting a toxic substance called fluoride in everyone's water. <laughs> well, I'm not, I, I guess I'm just trying to like, this all seems very unfamiliar and new. So I'm trying to figure out what other, you know, existing situations are parallel to it where there's already a way to deal with it that doesn't require shutting down society out of precautionary principle. You know what I mean? Like, Right. So, I mean, I think that in the long term, I mean, is it, it's not, and it hasn't been ever, as far as I know, uh, illegal to go to the office with a cold or flu. Generally, people be like, please don't come to work if you're sick. 20 years ago, when I was practicing law in the Bay Area, you do go to work because right. we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have, you know, phones in our pockets. You know, we didn't have the internet. <laughs> in the chair, you're not being productive. You, DARPA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, you know, so, so, the only way I could think that in your scenario would be like if we had if we had really cheap home testing, right? Yeah. So like if you could test, because I'm actually fairly confident that I've already had it. Like I feel like there was a flu that came through New Hampshire in early January, early February. And I can think of at least 10 people that I personally know who got really sick with something funky, including me right after that fast. And I was like healthy and I felt good. And I was like, there's no reason for me to be sick right now. And so I think that something came through here, um, you know, based on the numbers I'm seeing from around the world. Oh, and by the way, just a small data point. So in Italy, Apparently, more like their death rate is 10% higher than the rest of Europe for yeah. just the ordinary flu. 
Yes. So, you know, they kind of have a crappy medical system to start with. So to take this one country and then to apply all of this, you know, it's sort of like this, that, that's the other thing. And that is a, a, a problem with statism yeah. is, you know, they look at one data point and they don't understand, but there are a million different things that are influencing all this. And that the most fluid way to deal with a fluid situation is to let everyone make their best decision for them. Yeah, no, I know. I, I think uh, that's absolutely true. It's something that struck me as weird from the beginning with all this stuff. The sort of obsession with the graphs that, you know, computer modeling pops out. It's like, yeah, those are all possibilities that could happen based on the data that you feed in. But like, what matters is, is the probability of each possibility happening and the, the likelihood and also making sure that you have your data, like your data sets correct and that you're looking at the right issues and then not drawing conclusions outside of places where there are confounding variables that make it so that it's completely different. Like, for example, I'm sure that Rome would be different from rural Italy. You know, there, there's all these different little things that make everything different. And that's why models frequently are incorrect. And that's, you know, it's why you talk about probability ranges, not what's going to happen, which is why it's so disturbing when you see people saying a million people are going to die. And then they'll never be, you know, when they're wrong, they'll never be called on it because you're allowed to just say random things. Whereas uh -oh. in, like the, the more reasonable version is when people are like somewhere between 20,000 and a million people might die. The probability range of 20,000 to 100,000 people dying is 33%. I'm just saying, I'm just making this up, but you know what I mean? But you lay it out that way based on the data you have, not pick the scariest one and run with it or, or pick the least scary one and say, see, no big deal. Everything's fine. Look, even their model says that, you know, like that's not the point of those things. It's that it's a probability distribution of the outcomes that could happen. Uh, anyway. Have, have, you, have you watched any of the like press release or, or the press conferences and stuff? Because I did catch one this week and I have to say, I mean, our, our, you know, our fans and our listeners know we're not really like huge consumers of mainstream yank, 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 right? Correct. But uh, even though I do look like I should be on Rachel. I, I do it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I mean, I don't even have like news channels anymore, right? So like, it happened to pop up on my phone, and so I was like, oh yeah, okay, like what? What's Trump up to now? What's you know the little orange Tito got to say about what's happening? Oh, he's and help himself. And I have to say, the one I caught, which might have been like Wednesday, um, I was mildly impressed i i am loth to say almost but first of all i thought you know i mean trump being trump but you know he actually he seemed very calm i thought his demeanor like seemed good he seemed a little tired and i was like you know lest we forget these are old people who are used to just golfing all day and feeling special and important right. who now are like oh crap <laughs> you know this is this this is some hard stuff. We better talk about this like we're at war because people understand that we're in a battle, right? The, the you know, you had the experts up there. They had some good, goodish slides. I felt like the tone and, you know, I don't often watch these things. And I was honestly like slightly impressed. I was like, you know, people give them a hard time. But like if I was, if, if, if I was concerned and if I was getting my news there, I would have actually felt mildly reassured, which I think was the right note to hit with the country. 
No, I, I've watched several of them, and I think that the my criticism, the reason I said he can't help himself, is that he just keeps going back to the well of like, and some governors, they're very good governors, and I like them a lot, and some of them are very mean, nasty people. And, you know, and it's like the mean, nasty governor from New York. He's such a nasty man. Like, and it's like, why? Why? <laughs> like, you don't have to do that. You can just talk about the thing, not like the personalities involved in the thing. You know. I don't know. I think that bu- it, it bugs the problem. It, it makes it so that it's like completely unbelievable to somebody that's on the, on the other side. You know what I mean? Like if you like Andrew Cuomo and you hear Trump just talking endless crap about him, then, uh, you know, you're going to be like, I don't even want to listen to what this Trump guy has to say. I can't even watch it. And that's why there's like, there's journalists that are saying that they shouldn't cover the, the, the press briefings because they're propaganda campaign rallies which is actually exactly what they said about Trump's actual campaign rallies, that they shouldn't cover them because they're campaign. It's like, if it's news, it's news. I cover it. Well, well <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I mean, and, and actually I'll read this question. This is question 12 on this platform survey, but it says, do you believe that many national journalists inject a negative slant, often echoing democratic criticism rather than reporting the facts when covering President Trump and his administration. Yes, no, or no opinion. So clearly, you know, he's talking about this this particular slant, but then he does it as well, right? Yes. So so there is there is so much pandering, you know, and and um, I mean, in some ways, this pandemic really does play really well into Trump. He gets to do like a one hour campaign rally every day that everyone has to listen to you know money everyone gets paid so you could call it a pandemic i like it (laughs) not to not to discount the seriousness but no it it has provided an opportunity for a whole lot of and you get what you want you get what you want you get what you want and the department of justice wants to hold us indefinitely without habeas corpus because people get sick so you got to do that sometimes you know yeah and i mean it's so funny to me because in some ways i mean we've talked about this a lot right and like one of my favorite sort of concepts is this idea of ouroboros right that it's the snake that eats its own tail right and for a long time as someone who's been working on you know how do we reduce the size and scope of government and all of that right like i'm always looking for those opportunities where the snake is starting to eat its own tail and by that i just mean like where things just you know if you if you're if if you're even if you are a moron if it's pointed out to you in the right way you can understand it and so i think like this where they're all at the trough everyone's getting paid they're all getting theirs and you know the rest of us are getting shafted i feel like that's an opportunity and something that the average person can can understand but then also something like this idea of we're going to order you to stay home but we're also letting the nonviolent criminals out of jail because we don't want everyone to like get you know COVID in 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 jail. But then it's like, are we going to start arresting the people who aren't following the lockdown order and putting them in jail? But we're releasing the people from jail because we don't want them to get, you know. And so that becomes that sort of Ouroboros where you're just like, none of this is making sense, right? And also, I think, as, as many people have said, you know, if society continues to function without those people in jail and without all these rules and regulations about delivering alcohol and without all these rules about what businesses can do to provide home service and all, you know, why do we need them back? 
We don't need to we, reenact, we, you know, we, we don't need those rules. So we don't. And not only that, if that could be the outcome from the shit show is that they just anything that was an emergency suspension of some kind of red tape or regulation, if they just forever. make all of those permanent, we're already on a better road, right? Oh, totally. No, I, I, I agree. That would be one big silver lining. We've talked about some of the other ones, man. Well, we're almost out of time here and we, uh, we kind of got derailed, but yeah, we, I think we have time for at least one or two more questions from the, uh, the, the make Trump great again survey all right so um <laughs> let's see let's see uh we've only got about uh, this is, yeah, so so this is just uh, so a lot of them are just you know sort of that framing stuff but here's one that's actually about uh the electoral college yeah. so they do ask do you agree with democrats that it's time to get rid of the electoral college and use the popular vote to uh pick our president I mean, that would be interesting to see actually what the responses are on that. I'd be curious about that. I mean, as, as a small government proponent, I am all for the electoral college. Um, and I do feel like if they do decide to change this, that should be an opportunity for every state in the union to say whether they would like to stay in or go their own way. So it could actually create possibly opportunity for people who want more states' rights and, and more nullification of the, the federal government. Um, I will read the last question just because it's number 19 and it's such a great leading leading question last one um and then of course it's all about like you know pay 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 the money give us money give us your routing uh, number and your checking account <laughs> <laughs> so the last question is is there any doubt in your mind that the liberal democrats in congress will move quickly to enact their radical socialist agenda if they take control of the White House in 2020? Well, if you answer no, there's no doubt, then you definitely have to give them all your money. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I thought that that was one of those ones where it's like, you know, you've got so many double negatives in here, you might get the wrong answer. Right? Yeah, that is a lot of meandering. Uh, well, and I think that that's a great question to, to leave our, our listeners and watchers with is uh, if you didn't not do what we did not undo to say we would haven't undone of socialism, would you say yes? <laughs> <laughs> I say no to socialism. I say no to statism. I say yes to individualism and personal responsibility. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening and we will, uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks. Peace out. Bye.